Welcome back to the podcast, everyone. We are here for our sixth and final episode with Enterprise Ireland. This one focusing on fintech. And we have a fantastic panel ahead that you are going to hear from very shortly. But first, to kind of set the scene, uh, I am joined by Maria from Enterprise Ireland. So firstly, Maria, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for joining. Um, And thank you for putting together this fantastic panel. I I have a couple of questions before we jump over to the panel, though. Um, Firstly, because this is the last episode that we are doing with Enterprise Ireland, I'd love for you to refresh our listeners about the work that Enterprise Ireland does. And also, where does fintech sit in the work that Enterprise Ireland does? Oh, hi, Dave. Um, Absolute pleasure to be here. And, you know, firstly, just wanted to say a big thank you to you for hosting six uh, fantastic episodes with Enterprise Ireland and providing a platform for Irish innovators and entrepreneurs to really promote their excellent work they do at home and globally. Um, So I suppose just to refresh listeners, Enterprise Ireland is the investment and trade agency of the Irish government. So our mission basically is to support the collaboration between global and Irish organizations in order to build um, successful long-term business relationships. So we do this in a variety of ways, but it's mostly through building capabilities, um, funding expansions, investing in innovation, training, and of course, focusing on employment growth. Uh, So thanks to all of this, we have a We have built a really healthy pipeline of companies coming true and Enterprise Ireland has 40 global offices supporting these companies coming into the market. So me personally, I'm based here in New York. I'm the senior market advisor um, for fintech and financial services. And I have to say, I've been seeing, you know, just seeing the caliber of fintech companies coming from Ireland and having the opportunity to hear about new ideas they're bringing, uh, being privy to some kind of game-changing solutions they are offering to their US partners. It's really fascinating. Um, And then on top of that, to be able to offer them support and market advice, uh, it's really it's really a privilege and something that kind of drives me in the work that I do. So I do have to say that Enterprise Ireland has done a great job at recognizing fintech as a priority growth sector. And we now have a portfolio of over 250 fintech companies. Um, and also the agency is one of the largest investors in fintech startups globally by deal count. So that success obviously extends far beyond Irish borders. If you look at the UN figures, uh, Ireland is the sixth largest exporter of financial services globally, uh, and it's one of the top exporters into the US. And I think this just further proves and showcases the country's ability to compete on the international stage. Um, So I'm very delighted that, you know, today we will be able to hear a little bit more from our expert panels on this unique landscape, which I mean, is obviously doing something right to be able to produce such a high number of indigenous companies, but also attract some of the top global multinationals into the country. And, you know, you've touched on so many great things there. And I think this is uh, 
one of the things that I loved hearing from the panel was the discussion of like just how and why Ireland is kind of punching above its weight in, in the fintech space and how it has become a hub for fintech. Like, what are some of the, the kind of the key takeaways that you heard from the panelists uh, during this session? Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think um, a theme that we kind of keep hearing, not just uh, in, in today's podcast, but in some of the earlier episodes that you had uh, surrounding cyber and AI, is is the collaboration. And I think collaboration is undoubtedly the cornerstone of um, Irish success. You know, and, and someone who's not Irish, but lived and worked in Ireland and in the public sector, I suppose I can be a little bit unbiased uh, in saying that what Ireland really does best is the work between government bodies, academia, and the private sector. And this type of collaboration is unmatched. Um, and, you know, as we heard from the speakers, uh, I think what sets Irish companies apart is not only just the access to government support, but this ability to tap into a highly educated, multilingual um, talent. So another aspect that kind of struck me is the landscape that offers a proximity to global companies. So some of our founders have been working in multinationals and then um, have identified gaps and then set off doing their own companies, especially, especially in their regulatory uh, and compliance area. Um, and then another great example of uh, this collaboration is um, Skillnet Ireland. So they partner closely with industry to create upskilling programs, which are very responsive to business needs. Uh, and they are designed to really identify gaps in order to develop a future ready talent um, uh, talent skill set. I think we're going to hear a few more examples during the panel as well. So um, with that, I'm going to drop you, the listener, right in our panel. Today, we've got a fantastic panel of experts in fintech that are going to be delving into the heart of Ireland's remarkable success in producing innovative fintech companies that stand out on the global stage. So thanks to Enterprise Ireland, we've put together a fantastic panel for you. And uh, we are going to introduce that panel right now. Thanks for having me on, Dave. Uh, very excited to join the group here today. Uh, so I'm Patrick Horgan, CEO and co-founder of Validate Me. Uh, Validate Me is a digital identity and client onboarding due diligence platform. So we we help and work with uh, global financial institutions and professional services firms to meet their obligations around AML and KYC legislation and really to en enhance their compliance. Um, in terms of how I, I found myself working in, in fintech, um, in many ways, I, I guess I've always worked in, in fintech after a bit of a false start. So going back 20 years at the beginning of my career, I actually started off working as a software engineer, um, an analyst with a, a record label um, as part of a large German media company in New York. Um, so working in Times Square in my early 20s uh, with the likes of Simon Cowell and Sean Combs P. Diddy working in the office. Uh, that was an interesting experience, but my my uh, career in the music industry was was short-lived. Um, I guess I really cu cut my teeth by working with Accenture, uh, based out of the London office, working uh, as a technology consultant 
with financial services clients. So more so with banking and insurance clients. Um, so great exposure, exposure early on in my career to very large scale solution implementations and rollouts. Um, I remember my last project was based out of Zurich for a, a global insurance company. And that was rolling out a new solution across 42 countries. And, uh, you know, at a young, a relatively young age, you're, you're heading up a, a global work stream, you know, still writing code at that point and, and starting to learn more about the industry. Um, I, I guess I, I should have started off by saying, you know, I was firmly in the, uh, the tech part of the fin, uh, I'm a computer science graduate, but then moved getting exposure into industry starting off with Accenture but before validate me and for most of my career uh, I worked with a quantitative hedge fund in London called Aspect Capital um, you know really love my time there uh, the founders absolutely nailed culture really cared about their team um, and a super interesting place to work so you know all the all the trading there was fully systematic so it's you know taking trading strategies trading about eight billion of client assets and doing that in a very safe and secure way. So the risk uh, appetite was akin to the airline industry. Um, you know, the 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 um, tolerance for error was very, very low. And, and really, um, I guess, spending most of my time there working with researchers, quants, engineers, data scientists uh, to trade, um, take assets and trade them very safely. And, and I guess that was... Um, where I, where I carved my career in fintech really for most of my career before then um, launching Validate Me. Thank you, Patrick. Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm Connor White, and I'm the president of New Industries for Dayon. Dayon is a global digital identity company founded over 20 years ago. Uh, we provide software that supports all aspects of digital identity in today's uh, very connected world. Organizations around the world, uh, they choose Dayon for our digital identity platform that delivers secure, frictionless, cross-channel authentication and regulatory compliant identity verification at scale. Our technology is used for uh, secure customer onboarding, including the uh, aspects of KYC and AML, as well as to enable people to quickly and easily authenticate themselves using their own unique characteristics, such as their, their biometrics, such as their voice or face. People are able to securely assert their identity in a wide range of scenarios, uh, such as logging into an app on a smartphone or paying for something on a website or, or even calling a contact center where the voice is recognized um, and they can actually skip the 45 seconds or, or so of questions being asked by an agent or uh, an IVR to establish who they really are. So uh, we are deployed on every continent with hundreds of financial firms and our platforms process hundreds of millions of transactions daily. Uh, you asked each of us to explain how we're going to fintech. Well, uh, from a very young age, I was always interested in the tech part. Similar to Patrick, I started my career as a software engineer, uh, earning my primary degree in computer science and my master's in AI. Uh, long before AI was the topic of the day that it is these days. And straight out of college, I started work for Allied Irish Banks at their uh, Ballsbridge headquarters, working on their executive information system. A couple of years later, I moved to Digital Equipment Corporation in Galway, where I led the engineering work for their global partner management systems. I then moved to another company focused on financial payments using smart cards. In 2001, I joined uh, Dayon as, as their chief technology officer. And in 2003, I moved my family and I to the US for one year to set up uh, our office here. At the time, we were very heavily involved in government, uh, in the government market, helping protect the United States borders and critical infrastructure. Well, one year turned into two and then three, then five, and it's now been 20. Um, and so uh, time flies when you're having fun. Uh, my kids are 
born here and they've grown up they're going to college they're have one graduating uh, this this coming uh, month uh, another one's already gone and uh, graduated and got a job and a third one on his way so uh, we're firmly planted here in the US at this stage but we have still have deep roots to Ireland um, and about 10 years ago I spearheaded Dayon's move into fintech with the launch of our Identity X suite of products and this has been our primary market since so today I am firmly planted in the fintech space um, as an example um, I was at a dinner event last evening and I ended up chatting to a very nice lady who asked me what I do. I explained day on to her and I asked her a couple of questions, you know, specifically who her primary bank was, who managed uh, her pension, who she got her insurance with, who she flies with most of the time and which credit card she had. Um, she was kind of taken aback by all these questions, but she answered them. And then I said, when I heard her answers, I, I thanked her for being a customer of day on at five different companies. And uh, that's the kind of the breadth that we have all, all within financial services. Uh, today, much of my focus is, is also on taking Dayon's ident digital identity technology into new global markets such as healthcare, gaming, automotive and more. Uh, but I still have my feet in the fintech space um, as I'm spearheading the launch of our new AI-powered deep fake detection uh, and fraud prevention solution, something our financial services clients are, have a strong desire for and are very interested in. Thanks, Connor. Uh, my name is Stephen Walsh. I'm CEO and founder of Keeper Solutions. And what we do is we're we're a services company and we help our clients to design, uh, develop and AI optimize uh, fintech products. Uh, so um, we're working with just exclusively in fintech with companies in the US and in Europe. And um, we, we have delivery capabilities here in Ireland and Croatia and some other uh, locations. Um, and yeah, we we estimate that we've we've helped our clients to create something like one point six billion dollars worth of uh, shareholder value um, over the years since since we started, um, and we see ourselves as a kind of um, a platform for success for our clients who need that capability to design and, and develop those complex fintech uh, products. Um, so uh, that's Keeper Solutions. Uh, how did I get into uh, into fintech? Well, actually, I, I was doing a business degree in the University of Limerick, um, and I went on co-op to a company called Kindle Banking Systems. And uh, yeah, I I, uh, I I really didn't know very much about the whole the whole thing then, and I found it fascinating. So. Um, then I went back and worked with them for five years uh, after I finished my degree. Um, I actually did a research degree on the impact of the internet on uh, internet banking. And, and then since then, I've worked with various companies in kind of credit origination, um, mobile banking. Um, I went to the UK. I was working with Perro Systems and I got into outsourcing global services delivery. Um, came back to Ireland to head up Perro here. We were we were. Uh, acquired by Dell, um, and then I I left Dell in 2011. I had some ideas then about financial services outsourcing, global service delivery. So I set up Keeper Solutions, and we were fortunate to be able to start acquiring clients in Ireland that were in the fintech industry, um, and we we kind of evolved from that and got into the US market. And now that account accounts for maybe. Um, 60 or 70 percent of our business and uh, it's a very happy hunting ground uh, for us so that's me thank you love it thank you all for joining i do want to start off with 
a very broad question, but in my intro, I mentioned that, you know, Ireland has become a almost like a global uh, hub for fintech companies. What unique factors or a combination of factors do you think has contributed to this? And I'm Stephen, if you don't mind, I'll start with you there. Sure. Well, I've jotted down a few a few things that came to my mind. I think just the fact that we're a stable democracy and part of the EU, uh, that we're English speaking, um, that we've got a favorable uh, tax and regulatory environment, um, and that you know companies have got access to a well-educated workforce here uh, with a strong STEM focus. Uh, I think the IFSC was uh you know was a great catalyst uh to, to to help that sector develop and i i'd give a shout out for companies like gpa who who dominated the the uh, aircraft leasing from an early day and even the company i was with kindle banking systems so i think these these were sort of melting pots for people to learn uh, and to have international aspirations so those are the ones i've noted i'm sure there's plenty of others too Connor, I'll hand that over to you. Same question. Sure. I, I would actually largely agree with, with Stephen. I think, uh, you know, it, the geopolitical uh, environment in Ireland is very stable. Um, we have a, um, a government a set of policies, uh, fiscal policies that are very friendly to international investment in Ireland. Um, and I think education, it's very, you know, I'm I'm very proud here in America to talk to people about the level of education we have in Ireland. It's actually, I think it's one of the best in the world. Um, and it, it starts with education. I mean, you know, we could have uh, great fiscal policies. We could have access to a broader market. But if we don't have the educated workforce, if we don't have an ability to help those companies that come to Ireland um, with with the right people, it, it would fall apart. And, you know, STEM is so important. And I think the 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 way, the fact that we invest in STEM, that we, um, you know, we, we have people who really can speak multiple languages that can, you know, they're, they're there's no, um, there's no, you know, what's the right word I'm trying to find here, but, you know, an Irish person can go anywhere in the world and be as smart as anybody else in the world, right, uh, because of the education system we have in Ireland. I think that's, that's something we shouldn't take for granted and something that we should continue to invest in. And it really is, uh, my own son is just graduating next week. He's graduating early from one of the best universities here in, in Virginia, uh, Virginia Tech, and he's doing data science. And uh, I, have, I have a friend who's at Galway University, um, a professor there. And I had my friend talk to my son about their data science program. And now he's thinking of switching there for his postgrad, wow. right? Just because of the quality of the program, um, you know, and, I, and I'm, I, I kind of get proud of that, you know, it's, and I'm not trying to push him to go, but it's just, we have a great, we shouldn't under, underestimate, you know, the, the workforce that we have in Ireland and their ability and their smarts and the education system that supports that. So. I love that. Patrick, anything else you wanted to add? Yeah, to to build on what, you know, Connor and Stephen said, you know, I think they've highlighted some kind of key foundation stones we have here, you know, an open, safe, collaborative democracy alongside a really strong education system. But I mean, reflecting on it, I, th I think there are a couple of really interesting things that have played out over the last 30 years uh, to get to where we are. I mean, you know, uh, Stephen, you mentioned the IFSC and I think the establishment of that you know, expanding on what was an initial focus on banking, but really growing and expanding into other areas like insurance, funds and asset management, for example. And you drill into funds and asset management. And today it's the, you know, the world's third largest fund domicile after the US and Luxembourg. Um, and, you know, the, 
we've seen huge growth in that area. Um, that started out in Dublin with the IFSC, but now there's strong growth in the regions as well, outside of the capital. Um, so you have that emergence of the funds industry in particular, right? And you know, real global tier one financial institutions setting up operations here. Um, alongside that, then you know, again, starting if you look at the tech boom starting off in the nineties. You know, Ireland's now home to operations of, I think it's 16 out of the, the top 20 global software companies. Um, so the tech center, you know, the tech sector contributes significantly to the, the Irish economy, um, employing thousands here. So you see that emergence, you know, of Ireland, Ireland's tech hub um, alongside the, the IFSC and and then just the third point I'd highlight, bring it all together. It's something I think that's often overlooked, Um, bit of a stereotype, but ironically, it's somewhat underplayed, I think. And it's just our cultural strengths, right? Our ability to connect and build relationships, our ability to storytell. Um, it's something that for me, when I started my career in London, um, me and some other Irish graduates um, starting, we all observed actually, which was often... You're an intake of a grad program. You might be one of 20, 50, 80 uh, graduates starting. And something that became apparent and was called out by our peers from other countries is that the Irish were very good at connecting and building relationships in those environments very early on. And I think as a country, whilst it's 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 um a bit of a stereotype, but I think it, it can be underplayed. And I think we're very well placed to do that. And I think, yeah, looking back over the last 30 years, the emergence of, you know, the financial services industry, the technology innovation alongside our ability to connect, sub government supports them with the likes of Enterprise Ireland and the IDA in the first place, bringing people in here. And it's almost like the perfect recipe for fintech. And, you know, you take a couple of early success stories like Stripe and you look at the landscape in the ecosystem today, there's just so many success stories we could point to. And, and for me personally, I take huge inspiration from uh, from those success stories, and and it's great to see new businesses coming into the market all the time. I love that, and you know, you, you've you've pointed out something that's quite interesting that I've heard across multiple other industries as well, which is like this Irish culture of almost like support and connection. Where I think what's interesting is that I often find that you know we are having a panel here of three different companies that you know in many other cultures maybe like well we're actually competing against each other for either funding or for customers or whatever so of course we're not going to jump on a call together and discuss everything and but here it's very collaborative it's very much um people are willing to connect work with each other and champion each other and um i think you know a great example of that and you mentioned it is the work that enterprise ireland do um so Patrick, staying with you, I'd, I'd love to ask you, like, how have organizations like Enterprise Ireland helped foster this, this success or this, this feeling of collaboration? Yeah, it's, you know, it's from my own experience and again, talking to peers, other founders, um, it's something unique. You know, if you look at, even looking at the deal count, I, I think um, Enterprise Ireland and Maria might might keep me honest here, but I, th I think it's the biggest um, VC in Europe by deal count, which is phenomenal. Actually, when you think about it, um, it, it that just shows that that the level of 
you know, indigenous businesses they're backing and supporting is huge. And I'm sure there there probably aren't too many other countries um globally that can make the same statement, right? Um so so at a start, it's just that you know, initial funding is huge. But from there then, um again, very often indigenous businesses they acquire their first few company uh customers uh maybe within Ireland. And again, that kind of connectedness it can be a great incubator environment. I always found to connect, you know, get a few of your early customers, you know, going from zero to one can be so hard as an entrepreneur. Um, but I think Ireland itself is a great kind of uh, an environment to allow you to do that, uh, get out of the building, get your first few customers in, get that feedback loop going. But then of course you get to a stage where you want to go beyond Ireland and look to new markets. And again, looking at enterprise Ireland, you know what we find and again talking to my peers are market advisors in different markets so whatever your market focus is and your go-to-market strategy you know for for us it's um very much the east coast of the us and and the likes of london luxembourg um but having market advisors from enterprise ireland being able to work with you look at your go-to-market look at your prospecting you know, find out information about that local market, things you just won't be aware of. And there's a huge overhead in understanding that knowledge. Um, they're huge supports for, for any business. So they'd be the two initial ones I'd call out, but certainly not an exhaustive list. And Connor, I'd love to ask you the same question because obviously you're based in Virginia yourself. So coming from outside of Ireland, like how how are you kind of seeing the the work that Enterprise Ireland are doing to to foster this environment? Yeah, no, great question. I mean, I, I think for Irish companies like us and and your, your people listening to this podcast uh, that have a desire for any kind of a global footprint, um, you know, <laughs> Enterprise Ireland is sort of an unfair advantage, right? Because, um, well, you know, other companies I, I speak to, competitors, uh, foreign companies who are either competitors or want to be partners they're generally on their own when they want to establish themselves in a market um but enterprise ireland really does provide that leg up to help you get get going um you know when we first come over here in, in when i first came over here in 2001 and then 2003 permanently you know i would call on enterprise ireland all the time if i needed to try and go somewhere get into some organization when we decided to, to break into financial services you know in 2013 uh, 2012 2013 it was the first people we called was enterprise ireland right and there was an expression that was used back then and and I, it's still used today uh, i actually use it when i call some of the guys in new york or boston you know uh, they'd say well let's find somebody with a green jersey right you know somebody who'll put on the green jersey for the day and and help you and so i i would i, I mean i we day on leverage enterprise ireland uh, quite a bit i'm very proud to do so i'm sure the other companies and uh, you know patrick and Stephen do the same thing but um you know, I, I'll call up and I say, right, lads, I need I need a couple of guys with green jerseys in in this this sector. Who who have you? And they're very very good at connecting. Um, and people have asked me before, how do you leverage Enterprise Ireland? I said, you know, the best way to leverage Enterprise Ireland is tell them what you want, tell them who you need to get to, and they'll they'll find a way, right? Uh, they're also very very generous. You know, and uh, you know, I've I've talked to a lot of people who recognize that. You know, I mean, I think it was twenty twenty one. I saw the statistic. It may have changed. Maria, correct me if it's if I'm wrong, but I think Ireland. I think. Ireland and Enterprise Ireland is the foreign direct investment arm to a certain extent of the Irish government in, in some senses, right? They bring, they put money into companies who then go into other countries, right? And I think we were number nine in the US, right? In terms of foreign direct investment, you know, that's not, that's not something that we should, you know, uh, keep to ourselves, you know, it's an important, it's an important thing to, to bear in mind. Um, and for me, you know, being at Dayon uh, 20 years now, over 20 years, I can 
testify that over many, many times I've called in Enterprise Ireland to help, you know, uh, in, it's not just in the US, it's in, in any country. They have they have capabilities in most countries that Irish companies want to serve. And and if I talk to somebody in New York office, in Maria's office, she'll they'll know somebody in, say, Latin America, if I want to go in, in Mexico or Argentina or somebody in, you know, uh, Brazil or or you, you pick where you need to be and they'll connect you with somebody who will help you in, in Enterprise Ireland who will then know the people to network. So they just it's it's just a great asset to any company in my opinion and I, I strongly recommend that people leverage them so love that and and Stephen anything else you wanted to add to this yeah well I'd agree with what the guys uh, have been saying um Enterprise Ireland is doing a great job in uh helping Irish industry to to go global um, and I'll just tell you what our experience in keeper solutions has been. Uh, we brought our leadership team on a, a leadership training program called Go Global for Growth, which was hosted by Enterprise Ireland and uh, the DCU Business School. And that w ran over several months. And it was really helpful to us to take time from being in the business and to focus on our strategy. Um, and, you know, that really helped us. We we got more focused and we got more, um, you know, outward looking in terms of developing on the foreign market. So that was great help from, from Enterprise Ireland. Um, and then uh, as Connor has mentioned, the support in the marketplace is phenomenal. We've had, we, we've had great uh, events, uh, introductions um, from, uh, you know, from the Enterprise Ireland team, from Maria and her colleagues, particularly in the US. Um, and that has, that's really helped us. Like, for example, um, Maria helped me to co-host a, um, uh, a, a fireside chat at FinTech South in Atlanta earlier this year, which which really went down well. And, and, and that was just a great form of cooperation. And the, the, the other thing that we've noted is, look, the, the support for digital in, innovation and process improvements with grants, very helpful for companies like Keeper Solution. We earlier this year, we set up um, an AI lab. We put a few engineers onto it and you know, because a lot of our clients are saying, you know, what does Gen AI mean for fintech? Um, and just the fact that we can get some support from Enterprise Ireland means that we can lean into that area in, in a practical way and have some of that initial investment covered. And it's paying off now because we're talking to large US companies who've got a need in that AI area and we've developed some capabilities. So those are the, th the three areas of practical assistance and, and it's gr greatly appreciated. You know, what's really interesting as you're all talking, I'm hearing, you know, the, the great work that Enterprise Ireland are doing, of course, but this really is a, a testament to a government supporting something that can create value. But I also remember, Connor, you were talking about like the academia side of things, how your son is now looking to potentially go to Ireland to improve their knowledge, their skills. And of course, you know, we are talking about like the three of you as well and like the successful business side of things. So there seems to be this quite unique relationship between businesses government and academia coming together to really create a fantastic fintech ecosystem. Um, so I've kind of got two questions, but my first is really like, um, what would you like to see these three, three sectors doing together to raise awareness or about fintech opportunities and foster this ongoing culture of innovation? 
And um, Connor, I'll start with you, if you don't mind. Sure. I, I think it all, you know, we, we've got to keep the, the, the things that we, we, Patrick, Stephen, and I mentioned at the start, you know, the, uh, the, the, the friendly uh, work environment, the, uh, the friendly financial environment, the, those are all very important. They're almost like um, the illities, the utilities that you need. And then you build on that. Right. And I think going back to, you mentioned education, I think, I think education and, continuing to be at the cutting edge of, uh, you know, I know we're, Ireland's a small island with, you know, 4 million people, give or take, but we box way outside our weight class when it comes to certain, certain things. You know, we talked about culture, we talked about, uh, you know, education, a kind of go get them attitude. I remember um, years ago, we had a, we, a lot of day on it, but we, in the early days, we put our real, the whole company into an effort to win a major, major deal. And unfortunately we didn't win it. Uh, we were a, uh, the prime, a different team won it. And we got on a, a call and, and um, I won't mention any names, but a very, very senior person um, associated with them got on the call and, you know, we we're all despondent. And he goes, how dare we, you know? And I was like, huh? how dare we think that this company of, you know, 40 people could rock on over there and take on the world and turn the whole thing on its head on its first attempt. How dare we? And I still get goosebumps thinking about it. And it was a, it's just a great attitude to have that, that, that cultural of like, you know, let's have a go lads. Let's, let's get it, you know, and it, it turned out from being a kind of a, a I, I thought it'd be more of a pity party turned into a, let's, let's get at it, you know, and, and we actually subsequently uh, convinced the team that won that we were the, the vital part that they needed and, and turned into a success. But it was just that kind of attitude is something that um, Ireland has. And a lot of people, a lot of companies, a lot of cultures don't have it. Um, you know, I, going back to education, I really do think, you know, continuing to foster an innovation culture is important. I, I think I read recently that uh, Trinity Colleges, that they have a, a master's in entrepreneurship and innovation. I think it's ranked seventh in the world. Again, remember, we're a small little island off the coast of Europe with, you know, four million people, four to five million people. I'm ranked seventh. And I continue to tell people here in the US, you know, people talk about Stanford and I was lucky enough to do an executive program at Stanford. Um, and it's really, really good, you know, and you've got Harvard, MIT, you've got all, all the all those universities. But like Ireland has, I think it's so many universities ranked in the top 1%, 2% globally, right, because of the level of education we provide. And I, I just think we shouldn't forget that. And companies shouldn't forget that. And there's a, there's a great talent pool and continue to foster that by keeping those platform utilities of a good, a good uh, financial environment, good regulatory environment and um, a good socioeconomic and political environment, I think is very, very important. Not sure if I'm answering all of the question there, but that those would be my my initial thoughts on it anyway. That's great. How they should work. And uh, Stephen, anything anything that comes to mind for you? Sure. Um, well, I think we've had a strong focus on R and D in STEM um, over the past twenty five years, which has been led by Science uh, Foundation Ireland. Um, I think it's been putting something like a quarter of a billion uh, dollars into large uh, R&D programs uh, per year. Um, I think it's a winning formula and um, I, I don't think it's too controversial to say that it should be left in place. So um, that's, you know, I think I think it served us very well. And I think we should keep doing that and, and, and not defocus from STEM because it's so, uh, so critical. So, um, that's one thing I would say. The other uh, thing, and Connor might be aware of this as well, been over in, in near Virginia, is that there's a huge concentration 
of data centers in Virginia. It's it's a major part of the Internet Gateway. Um, and, you know, we've kind of got that here in Ireland as well, where we've got a disproportionately large number of data centers that are kind of co-located here in Ireland. Um, I think that's great. And, uh, you know, we're, we're, there's, there's chips are being made here in Ireland as well. So I think that we should we should keep building on that. Now, I know that it's putting pressure on, on the, the national grid, um, but, you know, I, again, I hope it's not too controversial, but my, I, I am an advocate of the country looking at nuclear power because I think that if we're going to have, you know, uh, the same again of data centers in the country, we need a modern, low uh, carbon uh, output of electricity that's stable. Um, and I think that if we do that, we can really protect the foreign direct investment in Ireland um, and expand it. So, so look, one of the things that really excites uh, me about uh, the fintech market is that currently in, in, in 2023, it accounts for 4% of the US financial services industry. Now, at the same time, the, um, the fintech companies, on average, they get uh, net promoter scores in the range of mid 80s, whereas the, the top 10 uh, consumer banks in the US are more like having NP, uh, NPS in the mid 20s. So there's a big, huge differential in terms of the experience. And that's what's going to drive uh, fintech to become 25% of the financial services industry by 2030. So look, it's it's a great space to be in. And um, I think there's going to be a lot of growth and um, particularly for the fintechs. So um, just go hit it. Uh, one of our customers, USAA, I believe has the highest net promoter score of um, any financial services institution in the United States. Uh, consistently ranks very high and uh, their belief is almost 50% of your net promoter score is down to how you do, how you interact with your customers, uh, authenticate them and uh, do business with them. And they're highly innovative. They're, they're, a, they're a bank that is really, really forward leaning in terms of use of tech for, for customer satisfaction and customer success. Um, and they look at the, the type of the things that we do um, and this, this concept of digital identity and this frictionless um, uh, identity continuity across all our channels as a major enabler of their, customer success and their higher net promoter score as a result. It's really interesting to hear how the collaboration between businesses, academia, and the government here in Ireland has created environments that it, it sounds like has become the envy of other countries and other countries like the US who are investing so much now in Ireland are also looking towards us for best practices and guidance. It's fascinating to hear Patrick, anything else you wanted to add yourself? Yeah, I'd really echo, um, you know, what Connor and, and Stephen have said around education. Um, and there are some, again, great examples. And it's really probably to double down on that. And maybe, you know, you mentioned globally and collaboration. Collaboration, I think we're all agreeing we're really good at Um and maybe taking more of a global view, but start starting at home and just to add and build on the themes that were called out, you know, education and STEM, and particularly for me, trying to introduce that as early as possible in terms of giving, you know, teenagers before even getting to the third level, giving teenagers choices, um, bringing more awareness around career opportunities and paths. Um, I, th I think, I think, we could do a great job at doing that at home even earlier. 
you know, there's great organizations at the moment, like I wish, um, you know, really highlighting it to teenage um, girls, you know, what kind of choices they have in STEM. And I think, you know, as a country, we could become leaders in terms of writing what is now an unbalanced kind of workforce in terms of diversity. Um, I think we have three CEO, male CEOs on the call. Um, you know, I have three boys at home and one daughter, but I would love my, my daughter to be given more choices at a young age and have more awareness around STEM choices for her, right? And I think we're starting to do that at home. But if we think globally, then just connecting with other organizations, institutions to to build that awareness, um, you know, moving a bit forward into third level, um, something I've seen a number of years back that I've seen introduced to Ireland, which I think is fantastic. You take Waterloo University in Canada, They've always had this great almost co-op model of having, you know, when their graduates come out as software engineers, they've had two years work experience in industry. Um, I worked with one of those graduates and he was exceptional. He's actually moved back from London to Toronto now. Um, but I remember seeing a number of those graduates in the workforce being being really, really effective. Thankfully, UL here in Ireland have done something similar. Um, and I think it's it's something that, I don't know if they've learned that directly from Waterloo, but but you know I wouldn't be surprised if they heard about it, learned about it, chatted to them, and again, just an example of the inverse of collaboration: us looking outside and bringing people in and learning from them. I think there's loads more we can be doing, both at second and third level, um, in terms of collaboration there, and then maybe taking it uh, beyond education and into industry. Um, we have different kind of collaboration and innovative centers in Ireland, but again, looking internationally, you know, who else is doing this? On the one hand, of course, we may compete in terms of we want to bring, you know, multinationals to Ireland, for example, the IDA, IDA as we know, do a great job. But, you know, I think we've all acknowledged, you know, we're good to connect, pay it forward, collaborate, even where, you know, we might be um, looking to win in similar markets. Um but if you look at the likes of the Loft Luxembourg House of Financial Technology in Luxembourg, they're one of many examples of hubs around the world um, that are, you know, fintech ecosystems. And uh, I think working with government and industry and academia, we can do more there on a global stage uh, together. Add to just to reinforce the point Patrick made about the uh, um the collaboration between academia and industry while they're still in academia. I mean, I was very lucky years ago. Uh, I won't age myself, but it was, you know, let's say the very early, early nineties um, when I was uh, late eighties, actually, when I was still in college and, and uh, in my third year, um, I had a six month work experience, right. That, that they helped me find ended up being with Allied Irish banks and uh it, for everybody, not just me, but for everybody in my class that year, that almost every, I think, pretty much everybody got a job as a, a you know, for the, uh, for the six months. It it did a couple of things. Most of them got jobs permanently when they graduated. And, and remember, the economy wasn't as good as it was back then. But people had jobs coming out of college. A lot of us had our final year projects sponsored. Um, and I I remember it was, we had a, obviously a, a five day week in college or six, depending on what you were doing, but. Every Wednesday was free to to do work on your project and travel to your to your uh, sponsor and stuff. So there was such a industry uh, affiliation and an alignment, right? That I think is just we were doing it thirty years ago. We we should continue to do that. I, I that model is has been superb, 
Um, and I think has benefited back in the 80s and 90s. It really benefited graduates coming out of Ireland. Because I remember in my senior year then in college, my fourth year, everybody came back with work experience. Everybody was now focused. We were no longer kind of students mucking around. And, you know, we were like heads down because we knew what it was work to, like to work. And we were graduating. We had jobs to go to. It, it matured the college uh, population, but it also um, aligned people to business needs and aligned businesses to who's coming out of the and who they could hire and it's it just such a, a virtuous cycle. I think we should definitely continue to do that when, you know, where we can. So I personally benefited a lot from it. So. I, I think that's such a fantastic, uh, fantastic one. And that alongside, you know, the uh, Patrick, your point about more women in STEM, I think these are, these are great, almost like metrics to measure the success of collaboration across um, the, the, uh, academia, businesses, and governments. Is there any other metrics that we should also be looking at uh, for for success in this in these kind of collaborations? Uh, Stephen, I'll start with you on that, if you don't mind. Sure. Yeah. Well, look. Um, I think I think we should uh, we, we could certainly count the number of um, fintech startups that get to seed rounds and get to Series A rounds and beyond it. I think that would be a good metric and. Like, um, I think that to drive that metric, I know that there's been some fintech incubators in in the country um, from time to time. But I think if, if it were possible to have a permanent fintech incubator where we could really actively encourage people to get into this exciting industry um, and try and drive up the numbers in the metric, that, that would be, I'd, I'd certainly be happy to help in, in mentoring on that kind of thing as well. I love the offer for mentoring. So anybody that's listening, that's like, that's uh, keen to lean in and start something themselves, you've got a mentor in Stephen. Absolutely, and and a VC because we're, you know I'm a limited partner with fintech ventures in in Atlanta. So we're also looking for we're looking to invest at a seed stage in in fintechs here in Ireland, so long as they've got a, a some sort. And of I, I won't speak for Patrick, market. but you know I I'm, love that. I'm very happy to help Irish companies coming over here. I've I've, I've done it in the past and you know been called upon and i find it it's actually really rewarding and in fact i think most irish people over here are it's a cultural thing we're very happy to help irish companies who want to break into the u.s market i mean i'm based here but um you know i, I think globally and that's that's a metric it's it, you know how how willing are we to help each other i think the other one is um you know i, I love looking at a global map and, and figuring out where all these little irish companies are you know i mean it's 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 a softer metric, but you know the power. The Irish diaspora is a very powerful thing. I've experienced that. I benefit from when I came over here, um, and um, I think it's a self-feeding system where you know now those of us who came over, you know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, are helping companies coming over today, and and those people when they come over in ten or twenty years will help again. It's and it's 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 a thing that Enterprise Ireland, quite frankly, has has fostered. It's the it's part of the culture that they have fostered among these companies because it's so easy to leave Ireland and kind of. Yeah, yeah, I'm from Ireland. That's a cool place over there, but not think about Irish companies and helping Irish companies. Enterprise Ireland really does foster that ecosystem, and I think it's credit to you, um, to you know, Marie and team. I think it's something you do very, very well. So, here, here, love that. And there's the collaborative nature coming out again. You know, we've we literally just joining together to discuss the growth and uh, everybody here is offering their mentorship. They're offering to support. So uh, 
it's just again it's just a, a great example of like of irish people just helping other irish people helping other irish businesses i love it so can i just ask uh from your experience um what advice would you give to new fintech companies uh, looking to enter the U.S. market? Is there any specific do's and don'ts? Um, thank you. I, I think getting a really uh, good focus on a big problem um, and, you know, one that you've got the ability to address. I think that's that's really, you know, so a big problem and one that you can help with. And then, uh, look, I think, um, you know, with the help of Enterprise Ireland networking, uh, but I think that really successful companies um, in the US are getting value propositions that will stand up, you know, within their target audience, regardless of, you know, regardless of any kind of cultural affinities, you know, their customers are going, yeah, I've got that problem. And it sounds like you can help me. And they're very go ahead in the US and they'll just say, yeah, let's get going. Um, so like what we what we've found as well is that the, the the speed and the ambition of enterprise in the US is on it is on a massive scale and that that that's a huge opportunity for you know for anyone entering into the market there um, so I would I would encourage uh, Irish companies to 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 go over stateside and enjoy you know to use that as a driver for growth in their own businesses just to, uh, if I could come in there and, and build and add to that, just to share my own experiences. Um, and, and I guess, you know, what really reinforces going back to the mentorship point, why, why I think so many people are, um, Irish entrepreneurs are very happy to pay it forward and, and to mentor. And in my own experience, you know, I spent the majority, my, my whole career, in fact, working outside of Ireland up until 2019, um, and something that really struck me when I was setting up the operation in 2019 in Ireland was just that generosity of people's time who were very happy to share, you know, their experiences, what worked for them, what didn't work, lessons learned. I find that to be an enormous help. And, and in fact, just being you know very humbled by the whole experience, really. And it's, you know. Similarly, that, that was setting up in Ireland, you know, in 2019, but then going into new markets like in the US, again, the, you know, you mentioned kind of the diaspora and, and Stephen, you mentioned it as well. Um, you know, again, Irish Irish entrepreneurs in in New York, Irish businesses being very generous with their time, sharing um intelligence really about about the local market and and really um really enjoying like sincerely enjoying connecting you in the market and that really goes so far it just reinforces your your own inclination to want to do the same thing to pay it forward and to mentor um and i think yeah you know looking at in the case of the us something you know we've learned is um, needing to be really diligent in terms of go-to-market focus and understanding what your target target market is, and um, you know your ideal customer profile, and um, and and going on that journey. So yeah, I, I, again, just to to call out the uh, the offer of mentorship um, in any way to any listeners is is very much very much there. Very happy to help where I can. Yeah, and I, I would sum up my thoughts in four four things. Um, first of all, don't be afraid of coming to the states, right? I mean, it's it's not 
that hard to do. The US is very friendly towards Ireland. I mean, the, we joke about Ireland being the 51st state, right? I mean, I mean, it's, there's no, it, we might have slightly different accents to people in downtown New York or Boston, but, you know, Bostonians have a different accent to those in, in Alabama. So it's, you know, accents are not the barrier. Um, so don't be afraid at all. Uh, if you're coming over, focus. You need to know why you're coming over, have your plan, um, share your plan with Enterprise Ireland and others because they'll help you. And Enterprise Ireland not only connects you, but they can actually, they have a lot of experience of how companies have got into this market successfully so they can they can course correct little things or, or even big things to help you. So, but have your, you know, who your customers are, who you're targeting. Don't just get off the airplane and go, huh, right, let's go find some business. You know, you can, you can do that hunting from over there and then land and be effective. That's the second thing. The third thing is, is the diaspora. Leverage the the, the Irish community here, the business community, because uh, we've all done it coming over here. And so we always, I owe it to people coming in. I mean, I look at it as kind of like I owe people because people here have helped me. Uh, and to, to Stephen and Patrick's point, I'm more than happy to help any company that wants to try and come over here and mentor and, and provide any kind of guidance. Um, and then remember that US is business friendly. Um, I've been in meetings where, you know, I've, I've presented a, a concept or a, a demo um, to people and the next day there's a contract coming in, a draft contract. I've also been in meetings where I, you know, they promise a, a contract the next day and I'm waiting, you know, six months. <laughs> but you don't be surprised at the speed. If if, if, if a person in a room in the, in the US um, needs to solve a problem and you solve that problem, they will move quickly, right? So it's, it's you know, it's not, it's very business friendly. And there's not a lot of politics when it comes to just getting the job done, especially in the financial services industry where they just, they, they you know, I mean, U.S. fintech companies, U.S. financial services firms are under constant assault from a cyber perspective, from a risk uh, perspective. And they they are, you know, it's tier one money and, and they're really um, very fast to move when they need to solve a problem. So don't forget that. Be ready with your assets and your demos and your product when you come over. Um, but if you, uh, the other thing I would say, we have uh, successfully in mul multiple occasions, we have said to our customers, when they have a problem, uh, we can we can tailor our solution for that, and we've co-developed it with their help, and they're very very open to sharing their knowledge and helping you co-create the solution as well, or or co-tailor the solution for that market. So that'll be my that's a fifth one, but just it's very uh, be ready when you for success when you get here because it's bonus point, Connor, is it bonus point? There you go. Uh, <laughs> Because I never know when to stop talking. <laughs> Love it. Patrick, Connor, Stephen, this has been really fascinating. Just to close this out, one final question is, um, where can people find out more about what you're doing and what you're working on? So, uh, Connor, I'll start with you. Sure. Uh, well, uh, you know, your website's your window to the world. So www.dayon.com. Um, you can find out all about Dayon. Um, you can reach me at any time on my on my email cywhitedayon.com. I'm happy to help in any way I can. But uh, for um, but our company, a lot a lot of the markets we serve, the customers we have, the um, the capabilities we're bringing are all are on our website. So start there, and from there, it'll take you many different places depending on what you're looking for. Fantastic, Stephen. Over to you. Sure. Yeah, it's keepersolutions.com. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. And um, please reach out to me. Uh, yeah, you'll 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 find me easy enough um, either on LinkedIn or on our website. Fantastic, and and Patrick. So validateme.com is the website. Um, also look us up on LinkedIn. Um, validate me. 
where you'll probably find um, what we're doing uh, on, a, on a regular basis, uh, what conferences we're going to, what events uh, we're, we're hosting, etc. Um, so between the website, validateme.com and LinkedIn, uh, you'll get a good uh, good insight into, into what's going on in the business. And that is it for today's podcast. A massive, massive thank you again to our panelists for joining and having such a great discussion about the fintech space and how Irish businesses are really punching above their weight. Now, Maria, to just ask you one last question, because there may be people that are listening to this that are now inspired to lean in and they want to get involved and they want to work with some of the fintech companies the 250 plus fintech companies that Enterprise Ireland works with. Um, what advice would you give the listener? Uh, thanks, Dave. And just I just want to say a quick thank you to Patrick, Connor, and Stephen for you know their time, knowledge, and contribution today to today's podcast, uh, and also for the generous offer to help uh, and mentor other companies coming in. You know that's music to my ears. Wonderful, wonderful to hear and see. Um, so I suppose to learn more about kind of what Enterprise Ireland does specifically here in the US, uh, I would recommend uh, companies, I would recommend people to go check out the Irish Advantage website. It's irishadvantage.com. Um, in, on that website, you can find more information about fintech, especially in the space of regulatory technology, insurtech, payments, software development, but you can also see uh, a number of other sectors um, that companies might be interested in. Uh, you, you can, on the website, you can also find my information, but you can also find me directly on LinkedIn. I believe I'm the only Maria Gagic, that's G-A-G-I-C, that works for Enterprise Ireland, so very easy to find on LinkedIn. Thanks, Dave. Fantastic stuff. And thank you again to Enterprise Ireland for partnering on the last six episodes. Really appreciate it. And thank you to you, the listener as well. If you like this podcast, please share it with somebody who may find it interesting. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast. Um, this is our final episode of 2023. So for everybody that has been participating, uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, we will be back in January of 2024. Uh, so until then, have a great holiday period and we will see you next year.